Welcome back to another episode of the Ex-Experts Podcast, where we give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Why? We've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. Today's podcast is about your furry friend. Sarah Corcoran from Corcoran Family Law, based in New Jersey, has um, been very influential in in the changing of the laws regarding custody of your pets um, during a divorce. So we really wanted to learn more about this. So welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thanks, TH. Thanks, Jessica. How are you guys doing? Good. We are Thank good. So taking the time. And this is such an important topic because as you know, pet owners, I mean, it's their kids. And yeah. we were surprised initially to find out that it was like a different category in terms of pets, like not not considered part of the family, that it's an it was was it an asset, and not yeah, even considered. Yeah. yeah. So we thought like all of that was so fascinating when we were when we were digging into all of that. So um, let's just dive right in. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. So um, pets are um, largely in in all of the states considered chattel, which is like the common law word for like a thing, right? A desk, a television. Um, they're given the same level of importance in the eyes of the law, despite obviously our um, significant value of our pets. I mean, next to our children come our pets in the context of a divorce, right? So I, I agree with you. You're probably not alone, Jessica, to think that um, the law and the courts would um, give pets um, a little bit more priority than, you know, the flat screen or the weight bench or what have you. And luckily in New Jersey, um, as a result of Houseman versus Dare, which is a case that was decided in 2009 and for which I um, represented the Animal Legal Defense Fund on, um, pets are given a little bit more oomph. So that's a legal term, oomph. Um, but <laughs> a little more than the flat screen, a little more than the weight bench. Um, and so what the court decided, these parties were engaged to be married. They separated. They actually sold their house, which they owned together. And um, they distributed the proceeds from the sale. Um, the, the mom of the dog had the dog. That was their agreement. I'm going to keep the dog. What have you dad of the dog had parenting time with the dog. Mom went on vacation. She left the dog with dad. And when she got back, dad said, I'm not giving you the dog. So as a result of that, among other things, my focus, of course, was on the animal as the volunteer attorney for the Animal Legal Defense Fund. Um, as a result of his refusal to return the dog to mom, um, she brought an action in Superior Court and sought the return of the pet. And the first court you go to is the trial court. So the trial court said, well, you both agree and stipulated to the value of the dog, it's $1,500. And so um, dad has kept the dog and I'm gonna let him keep the dog and I'm gonna give you $1,500. Oh my wow. God. Wow. Where was the press yeah. on that? Yeah, so <laughs> I, I mean, so obviously we're all dog owners and dog lovers. So that just is, is Bananas, that's another legal term. So um, what, what she did, thankfully, and what my organization did, as well as another uh, organization, was they took the case to the appellate division. 
And ultimately with the appellate division said, um, after a significant briefing schedule um, and filings by all these volunteer organizations, mine in particular, my organization in particular advocated and I advocated that it should be the best interest of the dog. What is in the best interest of the dog? Just like we analyze what's in the best interest of the children when there is a dissolution of a marriage or a breakup, what's best, what's best? So the trial court ignored that, right? And said, I'm gonna give you 1500 bucks, we're gonna call it a day. I was quoted pretty ineloquently in the record by saying exactly that, that the 1500 bucks basically wouldn't do it. I, I mean, I would have preferred they took a different quote, but that's really in a nutshell what happened. Um, the appellate division said the $1,500 is not going to do it. Why? Because pets have an enhanced intrinsic value to them. So I explain it this way, that um, we're talking about the flat screen TV, um, fine. But then I also have like my grandmother's armoire that's been handed down through four generations of my family, et cetera. Um, that is something that you can't replace. There's no value monetarily that can compensate me for that if it was gone. I need that item, just like you need your dog. So what that is called is, um, in the law, this is a legal term, um, the remedy of specific performance. Um, and so the appellate division determined that in cases of pet custody disputes that specific performance that is you must specifically perform the deal you struck that that deal can be ordered to continue so monetary damages won't suffice so meaning that she was had they already agreed she was the primary caregiver of the dog so money's no not going to do it like you said and so if that if, if you've already struck that agreement it's hers Right, correct. So, so the trial court found really that there was an oral agreement between the parties and despite the oral agreement implicitly, despite the oral agreement still said, you know, it's 1500 bucks because pets are chattel and the appellate division said no, uh, uh, it's not just chattel, it's like your grandmother's armoire, I'm going to compel, a court can compel. So they, so they set, they changed the law, the appellate division changed the law um, as it pertains to custody of pets and said that is a remedy that can be had when there's a dispute. So for people who don't have that kind of an egregious situation where they had had an agreement that she's right. going to have the dog, he takes the dog while she's away and then never returns it. What about when you're just, you bought the dog together, you've had the dog for six years, you're getting divorced. What do you do? How, how can you decide? Yeah. I mean, is it literally like child custody? So that's a great question. And I, I get it frequently. Um, it's not just like pet custody in the eyes of the law, but I can treat it as such, right? And the parties can treat it as such in an agreement. And that's what I encourage people to do. The more you can resolve amongst yourselves in a final agreement, the better you're off, you're, you are. Um, so yeah, we include in agreements sometimes, you know, so-and-so uh, mom or wife has primary custody of the dog or dad does, or they're gonna alternate, or the dog goes with the kids. We often do that. The kids and the dog, they travel together. We're a bunch, right, you know? Sometimes right. the nanny goes with the kids from mom to dad. Well, so does the dog. We're putting everybody, everybody go. That makes you know, sense. And I think that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So how so do you they, handle that? Sorry. No, please. How do you handle that financially though, right? There's child support. Sure. Is there sure. financial pet support? <laughs> 
that's another interesting question. I, I have built it in, um, in exceptional circumstances um, where perhaps the dog has uh, a particularly sensitive stomach and uh, requires certain specialized food and medications. We've had dogs who've required physical therapy as a result of injury sustained. And those things are all costly. And so we have built in those costs. Um, and like I said, I think it's a good idea to do because if you don't, and you think about it later, then you're sort of, um, you can certainly come back to court, but it's, it's going to cost you some more money. So, um, right. And if the dog gets sick later yeah. in life, you know, to prepare that that'll be a shared expense. Dogs can get pets, cats, dogs, whatever can get yeah. very expensive when they get older and they get sick. And then who makes the decisions exactly. about how to proceed? You know, do we go down this route or we go this route? Like exactly. communication must be critical also when you have a pet. Yeah, absolutely. And the more that you can, and that's a great point, because the more that you can provide for, I think, up front and in advance, certainly for my clients, it's just easier. Um, and it's just bring some finality to it um, so before you're I'm, confronted with it. I'm curious, just because that's kind of like the, the road that you're going down. Like, so you have a pet that, God forbid, gets cancer or gets sick in some way. And take it to the vet and the vet's like, well, you could take it home and it's going to have, you know, X number of days left, or we could put the dog down or the pet down and you disagree on how to handle that. How is that dealt with when it, it's a pet custody situation in a divorce? Yeah, I think um, a couple of different things would be, would, would be important to know, right? Do they have an agreement? Um, what was the agreement? Did it provide for for legal decision making? Let's say, um, as opposed to just having physical possession of the dog. Um, so I think that goes back to the original question um, and point, which is to provide as much provide for as much as you can in a final agreement. So you're not faced with these conflicts later on. Um, how would a court deal with that? not too well. I, I don't know that it would be very effective. I think what would probably be my recommendation in that instance would be to go to a mediator to try to work something out if it was that um, dire of a situation and the parties really couldn't come to an agreement. And, and if the children weren't of an age sufficient to maybe give their input, you know, if they're in their 20s, maybe we see what the kids have to say. So we have some sort of third party neutral who sort of an adult, although, you know, their brain not having been fully developed yet, but, um, you know, enough to give their input and their insight. That's what I would recommend. So why isn't the law looking at a pet as a, as a human? If they're being treated and considered- Well, they're not humans. <laughs> no, 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 but you know, but, but people treat them equivalent and sometimes better than their <laughs> own kids. Like, so why isn't the law catching up with that if that's what that's what the majority of people do now? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a slow burn. Houseman was in 2009. It's, you know, that feels like a very long time ago, over a decade ago. Uh, we're due, we're due for some action, you know, in the appellate division uh, in New Jersey to, to parlay Houseman into maybe what I was arguing, which was exactly that, TH, that, 
it should be a best interest analysis. We should analyze what's best for the dog. Who took care of the dog? Where did the dog sleep? Who fed the dog? Who walked the dog? Who cleaned up the dog's mess right. in the yard? And you know what they used to do in the olden days, as my daughter calls them, like the 90s? Yeah. Um, they, would, uh, they would bring the dog to court and they would put each, you know, parent. Oh, my oh, God. Yes. yes. And they would say, call the dog call the do- I mean I can I my father told me stories of this happening frequently call the dog so then people got smart and they would have they would manipulate treats. the situation they have treats in their pocket totally. you know they have like the other I mean so that was not effective um but that's the only way I would matter. get my dog to come in court is if I had a treat because she feel like if I was in court with TH the dog would come to me Probably because Jessica is going to hear from more than I would. But, um, you know, when you're thinking about it, so why doesn't the Animal Defense League bring this up? I mean, the, the whole reason why this is so bizarre to me is because you look at commercials of abuse of animals, right? Donate, save this dog. People are rescuing animals. I rescued my last two dogs. Yeah. Like, they, you're not rescuing a TV, you're not rescuing right. the armoire, you're not paying a charity to save and refinish your armoire. You're paying for this dog to go through medical treatment so it can be adopted and brought into a beautiful home. Like, why isn't, you know, the Animal Defense League or, you know, whatever, these bigger pet organizations fighting for a change? Yeah, and you know what, TH, they are, they are. We just don't hear about them because they're being fought in the court system, which is, can be, you know, kind of boring. So I, I think if you, if you log on and you check out, and I would recommend everyone do this, go on to the Animal Defense League um, League's website, ALDF.org. They're based out of California um, and they find cases. So I was, um, I was local counsel. They filed the amicus brief. I did all the um, filings, et cetera. Um, they find cases that are particular to their goals and their efforts with respect to animals. And they then evaluate how much, I think, headway they can make in a particular case and they jump on it and then they get involved. So it's really only a matter of time. It's really only a matter yeah. of time. So yeah. people it's who are- the, the, a right situation. People who are in a situation, they're getting divorced, they have a pet or several, what would you say is kind of like a checklist of the points that are the most ideal to have worked out, you know, during that negotiation period? I mean, we talked about a lot of things so far from everything from, you know, uh, what to do if the dog gets sick to the idea, I guess, of like visitation, different kinds of things. Like what are right. the, what are those, you know, must haves? Yeah, I think you have to think about it as you had said, you know, decision-making and, and where is the animal and who are they with? And then of course the financial responsibility. So I know you guys were joking around and TH, I'm sure your dog loves you just as much as Jessica, but I, I, I find quite okay. <laughs> I find quite frequently that particularly dogs, they prefer one person to the other in a union, in a relationship, at least for a period of time. Like, for example, my dog right now is all about my husband. Typically, she's all about me. I don't know what's happening. We're going through a phase. She flooded my house. So she knows I'm a little ticked off. Ooh. So uh, perhaps 
um, but she also didn't know what her father wanted to do with her, um, <laughs> her when she flooded our house. But uh, anyway, we don't get, we don't involve the kids, you know, obviously. So, um, but I think usually one, or at least in my experience, one dog typically more bonded to the dog. And I think it, it don't, it's a lot easier. It is. It's a lot easier than kids, you know, where the kids going, how are they, usually one parent says that's fine. Um, you know, or it's, it's a rare occasion where people are willing to spend a lot of money arguing over where the dog is going to go. So first step is um, decision making. Where is the dog living? How are you going to deal third with the financial ramifications of caring for the dog? And I think, I think in isolation, end, end of life care probably makes sense to build that out and, and carve that out too. Yeah. Do you remember that court case years ago? I, I want to say, I think it was Leona Helmsley who ended up leaving like $40 million to her dog. Yeah, was Like the I butler do. was like the executor of the estate. It's like- Yeah. yeah. My grandmother left yeah. her dog with her dog walker and also gave him enough money for what she thought was going to be the duration of her dog's life. Which is reasonable. Her dog. Which is reasonable, but forty yeah. million dollars. That dog is never going to need forty million dollars. There was nobody yeah. else she felt deserved the money more. <laughs> well, let's hope that there. I mean, who was the contingent beneficiary? I hope it was like the Animal Legal Defense Fund or right. the, you know, right. uh, the North Shore Animal League. I'm sure it was right. something. Let's we'll give her the benefit of the doubt. This was right. perhaps the ill-advised decision <laughs> in the first place, but. Right. But this is such an interesting topic. And I feel like so many people would have questions about it, but not even think about it initially and yeah. not know what the questions should be or the kinds of things to cover. So I uh, really appreciate you having this conversation with us because sure. it, it's something that I think a lot of people would also, like I said, be surprised about to know that your dog is just like a piece of property. And, um, and if you don't know the questions to ask and you don't know how to prepare yourself, you could get stuck with a judge who's saying here just you know pay the other person 1500 bucks and be done with it which sucks right but potentially but now in new jersey don't forget if you, you have an agreement that. and you have an oral agreement even so that's what you should do if you get a dog together it's like a prenup you, you create an oral agreement with your significant other and say if we break up i'm keeping this dog if you want that dog you you make that agreement then so if you have to testify at trial, you're credible. I, we had an agreement. We had an oral agreement. It's consistent with housing versus dare. Specific performance is a remedy. Give me my dog. Excellent. Well, <laughs> that's the title of, of the podcast. Give, Give me, me my, my dog. dog. Right. <laughs> Give <Exactly>. me my dog. <laughs> so for anyone listening, if you have any questions relating to animals, pet custody, that sort of thing, please let us know. And you can find all of Sarah's information on our website at xexperts.com. So um, make sure that you protect yourself with your animals because they're your, your furry kids. Unconditional love, sometimes. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah, so much for joining us. Really appreciate Anytime. it. Anytime. For everyone out there listening, if you know anyone at all that would benefit from what we talked about today, please share this episode and everything X-Experts. Be sure and click to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please follow us on social media at X-Experts, that's E-X-E-X-P-E-R-T-S, on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening.